Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. Did you know that up to 50% of your lifetime income will be wiped out by taxes? What if you could stop this madness? Isn't it about time you play on a level playing field with the wealthiest 1%? Now you can. Tim Barry, attorney at law, shares here each and every week current tactics and strategies that anyone can implement to hack the tax code, protect your assets, and keep what's rightfully yours. It's time for Tax Hacker Tuesday. Hello and welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. It is Tax Hacker Tuesday with my attorney and friend, Tim Barry. Tim, how are you today? I am doing fantastic, Matt. How are you doing, sir? Doing well. It's awesome over here. It's summer and it's just blazing hot. (laughs) Matt, don't talk to me about blazing hot. This is true. You're in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm telling you, Glendale, California has been feeling a lot like Arizona lately. Um, but uh, yeah, on Mondays here at Epic, we show you new and creative ways as well as time-honored ways of making money using real estate. On Tuesdays, we show you how to keep it, and that's what you're tuning into right now. And if you have a specific question for Tim, and you're too shy to go to the website and ask it, you can go to taxhacker.com forward slash questions, and we'll post it there, and then we'll answer it right here on the show. All righty. So, um, Tim, you know, I interview a lot of people on our Thought Leader Thursday episode. We do that on Thursdays, and we bring in general uh business conversation because, you know, real estate investing is a business. So we get a lot of good insights from other industries and how we can apply those principles and ideas and insights to our own business. And one of the questions I always like to ask, particularly to our, our educators and our trainers that we have on those shows is what's one bit of advice that you hear frequently that just kind of makes you cringe. And uh, I kind of want to direct that question to you as well, because we talked about it a little bit and you know, the, the stuff that you see on the internet and you just like, it makes you cringe. And you were sharing that with me. And, you know, some of that stuff can be downright lies or very misleading at the least. So what piece of advice out there really makes you cringe, Tim? Uh, the piece of advice is don't trust what Abraham Lincoln tells you about tax planning. <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of talked about that, Matt. Is my family, we have a joke about whenever one of my kids says something really silly, I said, oh, did you read that on Abraham Lincoln's website? Because uh, they just find all sorts of weirdness out there on the internet about things. And so Abraham Lincoln has a website. Well, yeah. And <laughs> the top of it says, don't believe everything you read on the web. That's his uh, slogan. Got it. Uh, so he was way ahead of his time. He really was, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, very interesting. But no, the biggest thing I cringe at really, and whenever a client calls up and says, hey, Tim, I just read on the web 
I think, oh, no, this is going to be a 30-minute conversation trying to untrain them mm -hmm. about the BS they read on the web. And or they, I'll talk about some complex idea, and they'll say, okay, cool, where can I read about this on the web? And I'm thinking, dude, you're not going to be able to read about this on the web because this is 10 layers down as opposed to two layers down, and the web is probably maybe one layer down. Mm -hmm. So that's the challenge whenever you talk to people about really interesting, fascinating things and bringing a lot of knowledge to the table. And then they want to dumb it down and then say, okay, where can I read about this on the web? Or where's a YouTube video where I can watch about this on the web? And I think there's just so many different variables that need to be placed inside here. We can't do all the diving down. Does that make mm -hmm. sense, Matt? A hundred percent. I can totally relate. I mean, people ask, what's the best real estate investing strategy? And it's just like, that's a big fat, it depends, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no universal answer for something like that. So I can imagine, it sounds like you experience the exact same thing. I and mean, you probably have even more variables than I've got. Well, I don't know about more because real estate's a vast thing, but uh, let me give you an example. There's a really cool thing called a charitable remainder trust. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I say charitable remainder trust, a lot of people get turned off because the first word they think charity begins at home. I think, okay, cool. But you know, just stay tuned. Let's talk about this a little bit. All right. And the big benefit of that charitable remainder trust is you can put assets inside of there and then the trust can sell them and you don't have to pay any taxes on that sale. It all stays inside the trust. So I have a client right now with millions upon millions of dollars in gain on an asset. And for some strange reason, they don't want to pay taxes immediately. So I'm saying, okay, let's do this CRT, Charitable Remainder Trust. And now he can slap the money inside there. Let's just say it's $40 million. He can slap the $40 million inside the trust. He'll get a tax deduction equal to about 10%. So he'll get an upfront tax deduction of $4 million. He can now sell those assets, no gain, and he's got $40 million sitting inside the trust. That's a cool thing, right? It is, but let's back up. Yeah. Okay. So what is a charitable remainder trust, first of all? What is it? Yeah. Matt, don't ask me these questions. I don't want to bore people. <laughs> no. Well, what's a charitable remainder trust? Well, I know most of our audience has $40 million to play with. <laughs> so I'm trying to bring, make it a little bit relevant. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is relevant for people who want to get out of the real estate, don't want to do a 1031. This no, I got it. So let's just kind of yeah. go, let's start at, at ground one or ground zero or... Let's start Ground zero. Uh, what happens is a charitable remainder trust, tax-exempt entity, on a simplistic level of understanding, you put assets into the trust, and then you're entitled to take out a distribution of, let's say, 10% of the value of the trust each and every year. So if you put $500,000 inside the trust, you'll get upfront an initial income tax deduction of about 10%. So you'll get a $50,000 tax deduction on $500,000. Okay. And then each year, you're able to take out about 10% of the value of the trust as well. So if the trust stays at $500,000 throughout the whole time period, you'll be able to take out $50,000. If the trust increases uh, $100,000 each year, year one, you take out five hundred or $50,000. Year two, you take out $60,000. Year three, you take out seventy. dollars Once again, it's a 10% distribution each year. Okay. It lasts for about 20 years, and then at the end of that term, whatever is left inside the trust goes to your favorite charity or charities. Got it. Okay. Now, that's the simplistic thing. And by the way, that right to take out the money each year, mm -hmm. that's something called an income interest. 
Now, here's where we start diving down and start taking things apart and making this all sorts of fun and interesting. The income interest, your right to receive that income from the trust, that's a property interest. That's something that can be bought and sold just like anything else. So let's say that three years into this, you say, you know what, Tim, this was a stupid idea. I never should have set up this trust. I want my money back. In theory, you can't get your money back under the rules of the tax code. But in reality, you could sell off that income interest. And there's all sorts of investors dying to buy these because they get some neat tax benefits too. But you could sell off your income interest and get your money back that way. So there's all sorts of little different ways that you can shape and mold these things that uh, start to get your head spinning pretty fast. Okay. So let's back up again. So now we know what it is. So this $500,000, you will use that number. We put that in there. Mm-hmm. Did, we, did we pay taxes on that $500,000 we made? No. No. Okay. So we make $500,000. We put it in there. So we're just, it's just oh, extra oh, oh, money we're parking. Let's go back. Let's say we have an asset that's been depreciated down to zero or it has a zero basis. So and, an asset, like a house? Yeah, let's say a house. Okay. Uh, or a condo, because that makes more sense about it being depreciated down to zero. Uh, so we have a condo we put inside of the charitable remainder trust. Let's say the condo now is worth 500000 So if we just sold it ourselves and we didn't do a 1031, mm-hmm. we'd have to pay taxes on that five hundred. Okay. You with me? Yes. Cool. We put it inside the trust. Then the trust turns around and sells the condo. Sells it for 500000 The trust is tax exempt. All 500000 goes inside the trust and it sits there. Got it. Now the trustee, by the way, who's the trustee, Matt? You, the attorney. Oh, well, I like that answer first off because I can charge <laughs> fees. But uh-huh. most of the time, no, it's the client. Okay, so who's the beneficiary? Uh, most of the time, it's going to be the client. Okay, so they can man both spots. They can man both spots. Okay, that's why I did not say that initially. I, yeah. thought it was, I thought it was a trick question, but go ahead. No, 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 no. It's a valid question because normally uh-huh. you can't with the trust. But So you put the property inside there. Mm-hmm. The trust sells it. The mm-hmm. trust now has $500,000 cash sitting inside there. And now you as trustee can say, cool, I'm going to take that 500000 and I'm going to invest in pork belly contracts. Cool, you can do that. I'm going to take that 500000 I'm going to make hard money loans. Cool, you can do that. I'm going to take that 500000 I'm going to buy whatever, uh, container homes. Cool, you can do that. Uh, so you're in control of the investments of that trust at that point. Okay. As it makes money, the value grows, hopefully. And then, uh, like I said in the beginning, you're allowed to take out up to 10% of the value of that trust each and every year. Okay. Got it. And then at the end of 20 years, whatever's left goes to your favorite charity or charities. Is it always 20 years? It isn't always 20 years. That's the way how I structure it 90% of the time, just because it gives people certainty. We mm-hmm. can set it up based upon someone's life expectancy, but uh, I just like the certainty more than the life expectancy. So I just normally set it up for 20 years. So 10% over 20 years, you got all your money out? More than likely, yes. Okay. And, and some. Got it. Okay. So now it's, now I'm getting it. Now it's starting to make sense. And then some, exactly. All right. Um, can that charitable remainder trust buy another house and can you live in that house? Oh, good question. No, you can't use the trust assets for your personal benefit. 
they has to be for investment purposes. Okay. And it's kind of like the exact same rules of uh, retirement plans. Just okay. like with the retirement plan, you can't loan money to yourself from the plan. You can't use the plan's assets for your personal enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the charitable remainder trust rules. Okay, got it. So now let's go back to our original subject. Now we know what the, CR, the charitable remainder trust, we're using this as an example of things that people read on the internet and get misled. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would people normally read on the internet about this that would have them, ooh, no, I don't want to do that? Well, they'd be reading that they can only take out 10% a year. They'd be reading that they are, the money is stuck. They can't get it out. Mm-hmm. They'd be reading that all the assets have to end up going to a charity. Uh, and they wouldn't realize that, gosh, if you're three years into it, you can sell off your rights. You can sell off that income interest. Oh, you want greater than 10%? Cool. We can sell the income interest, but we'll make it over a five-year installment note. So now you're getting 20% a year instead of 10% a year. Oh, you're worried about too much money going to the uh, charity? No big deal. Make a loan over to a non-related party at 5% interest. And by definition, if you're taking out 10%, it's losing 5% a year. So there's just so many different things that you can do to really make the CRT work full bore for you. And quick side note. Under no circumstances are we going to do any planning that's going to make it where we're going to rip off the charity. That's not the case here because mm-hmm. you're getting all sorts of neat tax benefits already. But we're just going to make sure that we maximize the benefit for you uh, as well as the charity gets its 10% of the pie. Okay. I got it. All right. Starting to become clear. So, yeah, you're going to read on the internet that it sounds like you're just giving your money away to charity is what yeah. it sounds like. Right. And it sounds like it's an irrevocable pledge to charity and you have no more control after that. And yet there are so many different ways you can have so much control. Got it. Okay. So one thing that you mentioned, let me give me an, a scenario. Say we got this $500,000 in there and we have this annual income interest mm-hmm. and you said we can sell that. So let's just say on year one, we're, we're expecting to pull out, $50,000 with that no tax to that 50 grand, right? What would that selling that to somebody else to get more money out for ourselves look like? Um, clarification too. Whenever okay. you take a distribution from the trust, mm-hmm. that distribution is probably going to be subject to taxes. It's going to be taxed to you the same way it would have been taxed to the trust whenever you take it out. So this is a tax deferral mechanism for the most Deferred. part. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Now, how would that look? Uh, Gosh, it's kind of like saying, how would it look whenever I sell this piece of real estate? Uh, because it's just like a piece of real estate. We could go out to somebody and say, hey, look, I have rights to 10% of this trust for the next 20 years. Give me $520,000. And if you can find somebody willing to pay cash $520,000, boom, it's done. Or you can go to somebody and say, hey, uh, this is worth 520000 in my eyes but uh, you don't have the cash. Why don't you give me 10,000 this year? And I'm just making up numbers. A hundred thousand this year and another hundred thousand for the next six years. Boom. So they can buy it via an installment note. There's just so many ways you can structure it. You can structure it where someone gives you 50,000 the first five years and a hundred thousand for the next three years, just Mm -hmm. whatever. Okay. And the reason someone would want to do that, I would guess is that the, whatever you've invested in, is performing. Well, that's one reason. This is where I'm probably going to lose people. There's just so many cool things you can do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's say somebody buys it for 520,000. Let's say it's 500,000 just to keep the numbers simple. And let's say there's 10 years left 
on the payout. Mm -hmm. And let's say they take out distributions of 60000 a year whenever they buy that thing. Are you mm -hmm. with me so far? Okay, so they're giving you 500000 What's the actual money inside of the charitable arranger trust that they're buying? Let's say 500000 still. So it's just a straight trade, 500 to 500. Yeah. Okay. So my question, we'll, we'll resume in just a sec, but what's the benefit of the buyer to just make this trade? Stay tuned. We're getting there, Matt. We're okay, got there. it. All right, cool. Don't rush me. You're really yeah. rushing me, Matt. I'm feeling threatened. Okay. Okay. No, here's the deal. Since this trust right that the person purchased only has 10 years of life expectancy, mm -hmm. they're able to write off their acquisition price, the 500,000 bucks over that 10 year time period. Translation, they get a tax deduction of $50,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So now, as they, in, and they take over that $500,000 inside the trust, they now manage the investments. So now as they take a distribution, if they take a distribution of $55,000, the first 50,000 is tax-free mm -hmm. because they have that write-off. Or let's say, and this is getting in the weeds a little bit, let's say they structure the trust so that they don't take a distribution in year one. They want to save it to have it come out in year two, and then it's going to be 100000 mm -hmm. No big deal. Year one, they still get a $50,000 tax deduction. Mm. So they're able to write off their acquisition price, their purchase price of that trust asset each and every year. So this, in the right hands, is a fantastic vehicle to A, generate some giant-sized tax deductions, and B, give you tax deferral at the same time. Got it. Okay. Now, so that's the now, benefit for the buyer. Right. I see. Um, but the original person that put it in the charitable trust still has that 10% tax deduction annually, right? They got an upfront 10% tax deduction, uh -huh. and that was it. It stopped Oh, right and that's there. it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. So the buyer is going to get that 10% every year. The buyer is going to get that 10% every year if it's a 10-year life expectancy. And we're getting way deep in the weeds. Uh -huh. uh, so let's just simplify from here uh -huh. because otherwise it's going to have everyone's minds uh, spinning. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is why we're talking about it because the internet doesn't get deep in the weeds. They just tell you what it can and can't do on the surface. So you're saying I'm a culprit of my own uh, thing, huh? I'm trying to stay on a simple level. I yes. Guess. Now you're not, you don't want to go deep now and you just want to contribute to all the lies that are being on the internet. <laughs> no, I get it now. Okay, so here's another thing. Um, could you get with a partner, you both create a charitable reindeer trust and then sell each other the trust? So now you get the 10% deductions each year? You know, that's kind of a gray area. Uh, the IRS wants to see a change in economic circumstances. They want to see that if simple answer is no to what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, because if I set up a trust with a hundred thousand, you set up a trust for a hundred thousand and then we sell each other, each other's, uh, income interest. Mm -hmm. IRS isn't going to like it. They're not going to like it one bit. So they're going to say, Oh, your economic situations haven't changed. Uh, Tim, you had a trust worth $100,000 with a 10% annual payout. Matt, you had a trust with $100,000 with a 10% annual payout. And you guys just cross-sold those. We're not going to give it any, uh, we're not going to say there's any substance to that. So that's probably not going to work. But if you guys are going out there and if you're buying other people's income interest and there's different dollar amounts, that will be given uh, credibility or that will be uh Recognize, I can't think right now, okay. accepted by the IRS more than likely. Got it. Okay, so here's another scenario, Tim. Okay, let's hear it. What if there were three people and you created this triangle? 
and you didn't actually swap, but each person bought the other person's. Even if we had 85 people, and this is a little bit far-fetched <laughs> because the IRS isn't going to expend the resources, but uh-huh. even if we had 3,923 people and they were mm-hmm. able to track that everybody just did the triangle or whatever that would be, a uh, whatever it might be, they would still say no economic substance. There has to be a change in someone's economic situation for the IRS to recognize it. Got it. All but right. there's tons of these things out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, these charitable remainder trusts, there's a database of them on the web and you could literally, if you wanted to make a profession of it, you could probably make a bank just sending people letters saying, Hey, I'd like to buy your income interest. And that's a whole nother show because that's all a function of what price do you pay based upon interest rates. You buy it from them for 7%. You get all these massive tax savings and you sell them out to some, or you buy it so that you're guaranteed a 10% rate and you sell it to someone else at a 7% rate. You pocket the difference. There's all sorts of neat things you could do there. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> it is. I mean, and it's all public record. It's just amazing out there. This is a whole new world. Right? Well, this is why you need a professional to help you. Indeed. This, right? Super. All right. Thanks, Tim. I think that was enough for today. Um, <laughs> that was up there. <laughs> that, was, that was deep in the weeds, right? Yeah. Um, cool. So, uh, whenever you're ready to have Tim customize this tax hacker blueprint for you, or if you want to have a, a conversation to the, to the level that we just had, because this sounds like it might fit your situation, um, that's probably a better conversation for off the air. You can go to taxhacker.com, answer a few questions about your situation, tell Tim what you'd like to have happen, and his team will take it from there. And then uh, in the meantime, while you wait to talk to Tim, uh, he'll give you a copy of his free American novel, the, uh, the loopholes of tax. There we go again. It's such a tongue twister of, of Trump's tax plan. Um, I'm going to stop trying to be creative and funny and cute and we'll just uh, wrap it up. How about that, Tim? Any last bit of advice? Uh, no real last bits of advice other than if you want to dive down in the weeds, make sure you talk to a professional who knows what they're doing. Don't get the advice from the web. Perfect. That sums it up. We brought it all full circle. Great. Alrighty. So that's it for Tim and myself. We'll see you next week for another episode of Tax Hacker Tuesday on the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. That's it for today as we dream of a tax system that works just for you. But until then, you have Tim Barry. See you next Tuesday for another episode of Tax Hacker Tuesday. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>